ഓം ജ്ഞാനചിരന്ധസ്യാനഞ്ജനശലാകായ Continuing the topic, Who is Krishna? The question, Who is Krishna? Many people will give different replies. Can you hear okay? No? Many people will give different replies. Actually, everyone will give a different reply. Everyone in existence. Because everyone has a different relationship with krishna that's why we're all here eko bahusyam the one became many krishna is supreme and he has expanded himself into many many forms for his pleasure the jivas are also expansions of krishna yeah vivinamsha the uh, difference the, the the difference between them and krishna is pronounced but we're also part and parcel of krishna we're meant for his enjoyment so krishna has made us all different just like everyone's thumbprint is different right so every jiva they have different relationship with krishna within five rasas Shantaras, Dasiras, Sakyaras, Vatsalyaras, Shingararas. So there are five basic typologies of rasa or relationship. But everyone has their own specific individual relationship with Krishna. So whoever we ask, they may, they, they have their own different feelings toward Krishna. So, if we want to try to enumerate them all, that won't be possible, but uh, at least speak of some of the different outlooks on Krishna. Even those who reject Krishna, they cannot but think of him as important. Just like uh, there are so many demons who don't like krishna if we ask the demons who is krishna they will become angry immediately upon hearing the name of krishna like shishupa is he was obsessed with krishna from the very beginning of his life the first things he was immediately thinking how to blaspheme krishna just like the young children the parents are waiting for them to say their what is the first thing they will say they they're going to say mama papa shishupal ah, krishna ah. from the very beginning he hated krishna he was very krishna conscious he's always thinking of krishna kangsa also was also thinking of krishna but krishna he thought of him as for me he is death personified so We don't want to hear about the demons. We don't want to hear what the demons have to say about Krishna. There's also a kind of rasa to be had in that. That's a ghastly rasa. Uh, that's also one of the uparasas, or the, the uh, subsidiary rasas. You feel something horrible. but it's in relationship to krishna 
So before we get through to the nice discussions, who is Krishna, we'll, we'll hear some of the more ghastly descriptions. And we'll reject them all and we'll go on to actually who is Krishna. Who, if we ask different people, they'll give different replies. So we heard yesterday, playboy. Some people say Krishna is a playboy. Some people say he's immoral. He's against dharma. He induced, for instance, uh, Yudhishthira to tell a lie. Actually, it wasn't a lie in the end, but it was almost a lie. It had the effect of a lie. And in this way, Drona was killed unfairly. And then Karna, uh, Arjuna, killed Karna at Krishna's bidding in an unfair way. And again, Duryodhana, three of the greatest warriors in the battle, they were... I have snip, snip, snip all through the class here. Thank you. Some of the three of the greatest warriors, they were killed at the behest of Krishna in a manner which was adharma, against dharma. Is that right? It's a trick question. You don't know whether to say yes or no. Krishna, whatever he does is dharma. But if we take him as an ordinary person, then it would appear that he was doing something wrong. But even then, actually it wasn't wrong. Just like Karna was protesting. How can you do this? This is against dharma. But Krishna said to him, where was your dharma when you tried to kill Bhima with poison? Where was your dharma when you cheated Yudhishthira of his kingdom? Where was your dharma when you <coughs> dragged, you, you cheered Dushashana as he dragged Dopadi into the assembly? And he, Krishna went on and on and on, and, 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 listing the, adhar, the principal adharmic acts that Karna had been involved in throughout his life. And then Karna had nothing to say, and Krishna just had one more thing to say, kill him. And Arjuna killed him in that situation. So uh, Krishna, it's well known, he's accused as being cheater, a liar, a thief. Some people say. We don't say. But there are other, these are better known, but there are other accusations against Krishna. According to the James that you see, even the Jains, they, they, officially they're not supposed to have anything to do with Jains, Buddhists. They, they have their own ideas. They don't follow the Vedas at all. But still, they can't avoid Krishna. He's so much integral to Indian culture where Jainism and Buddhism took root. So according to the Jains, uh, what's the main principle of Jain religion? Non-violence, even more than Buddhists. They're very strict about it. Of course, according to the Buddhists, Ahimsa Paramo Dharma. Ahimsa is the main dharma, but they don't follow it much. Although the Jains, they're, they're so strict 
that they won't even eat potatoes because you have to dig them out of the ground and in doing so you might kill some worms. That's pretty strict, isn't it? Of course, they don't mind going in motor cars and you have to dig the oil out of the ground, but uh, I don't think they have it. It's not in their scripture that you're not allowed to use oil, but that came later. Just like you see some Vaishnavas. I was once in the home of a he became famous later, one disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He was in his home in Vrindavan. And then they brought out the tea, and he was drinking tea. So I said, how are you drinking tea? You're supposed to be a devotee. He said, well, there's nothing in Hari Bhakti Vilas against it. Okay, bring out the cocaine. Why tea? Why stick at tea? So, so anyway, uh, what did the Jains say about Krishna? They, they say, well, he was sinful because he killed so many people. But there's some good things about him also. So now he's suffering in hell. And when he's finished with that, he'll come back and he'll be a Tirtanka, which means like a, a leading saint of the Jain religion. How about that? I think it's better to to kill and be violent to people than to have such a blasphemous idea. They're so strict about being vegetarians. But uh, they have another form of violence in being so blasphemous against Krishna. The Buddhists, some, of, some Buddhists, they have an idea that Krishna is going to come back as a bodhisattva. The, uh, in Mahayana Buddhism, they have this idea of bodhisattvas. They're self-realized, they're like Buddhas, but they come back out of compassion for the, for the people of the world, which doesn't exist. And the people don't exist either. It's a funny philosophy. Anyway, Krishna's going to become a bodhisattva, according to them. And the Brahma Kumaris, who are just completely nonsense. They, uh, do you have them here? Brahma Kumaris? Have them in Slovenia? Okay. Some good quality of Slovenia. They have a theory that, uh, their founder, he's going to come back again as Krishna. I don't remember his name. No need to remember it. Uh, and then again, this time Krishna is going to be good. Last time, he's, he, he was not so good. But this time, he's going to be better. And our founder will come back and show Krishna how to be Krishna in the proper way. And at that time, there'll be heaven on earth. So there are various demoniac theories. Uh... Mayavad, it leads to, ultimately, to blasphemy. Uh, Shankaracharya, of course, he wasn't openly blasphemous against Krishna, but his theories that, that all is one and one is all, I am you and you are me and we are all together, it's all one, it ultimately leads to blasphemy against Krishna. As Srila Prabhupada noted, the, the, the modern day so-called followers of, of 
Vedanta, what they call themselves Neo-Vedantists, namely the Rama-Krishna mission. He said that Prabhupada said that their behavior is so degraded that Shankaracharya himself, he would not uh, support this. The chicken mission. In the, they call them the Murgi mission, the chicken mission, because they have chicken farms to support their activities. And the sannyasis eat meat. And they talk about the Daridra Narayan, the poor Narayan in the street. So, uh, just to show how degraded this Maya, how Mayavad must degrade, and how we must kick out Mayavad and Sahajism in all forms, and stick purely to the path of Krishna consciousness. If we go off, then we're on a tangent. And a tangent, in the beginning you don't notice, it, it's close to the original line, but gradually it goes further and further away. So, uh, here's an example of how degraded you can get with Mayavad. Uh, one British uh, considered himself some kind of philosopher, made a translation of Bhagavad Gita, uh, somewhat famous among British literary circles. He died, I think, 1972, something like this. His name was Christopher Isherwood. And uh, he was a homosexual, which wasn't fashionable in those days. Uh, didn't become fashionable until recently. So uh, in 1939, at the uh, either just before the outset of the Second World War, he left England to go to America because previously he'd been in Germany and he had a boyfriend in Germany and he didn't want to fight and find himself up shooting against his boyfriend. So he left and went to America. And in America, he uh, and he, he was feeling some spiritual longings. So he was in Los Angeles, or close to Los Angeles, he was brought to the Ramakrishna mission, where a sannyasi of the Ramakrishna mission was presiding there. And he was a disciple of a direct disciple of Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, as the rascal is known among his followers. So this is all recalled in one book by uh, Christopher Isherwood called My Guru and His Disciple. So anyway, he went to see this Swami. Uh, and he only had one question of him. And he thought, if he doesn't answer it to my satisfaction, I'll never go and see him again. So the question was, uh, can I have a spiritual life even if I'm having sexual relations with a young man? And the Swami replied in a manner that was satisfying to the other rascal, the Isherwood rascal, that Referring to the young man, he said, the Swami said, you should think of him as the young Krishna. What a rascal. Better distribute those books. Otherwise, so many wrong ideas will come out about Krishna. So, and this man, then he, after this he translated Bhagavad Gita. And what's he doing when he's translating Bhagavad Gita, spoken by Krishna, thinking of Krishna? 
in this way. So very sinful. Mayavadi is very sinful. So if we're going to know who is Krishna, uh, we won't listen to all these people who say so many wrong things about Krishna. Even many Rama Bhaktas in India, they say, well, our Ram is better than your Krishna. See, our, your Krishna is, he's immoral, he's a womanizer, our Ram is better, he's very moral, he'll never tell a lie, and only sticks to one wife, doesn't have any girlfriends, what to speak of, more than one wife. So, people who speak like this, they're not real Ram Bhaktas. No real Ram Bhakta could say such a thing. They don't know who is Ram. Ram and Krishna are different. But Ram has come for, well, he has his own personal bhav, uh, and he's come to teach one thing, that is Maria, he is Mariada Purushota. He is Purushota, and he's the Supreme Lord. But he's come to demonstrate in the world what is proper behavior. And Krishna is Prema Purushottam or Lila Purushottam. He's come to show what is proper behavior for God. Ram comes to show what is proper behavior for man. And Krishna comes to show what is proper behavior for God. God means he doesn't have to follow all your stupid rules. He does what he wants. He's the only one who does what he wants as he wants. There's no maryada. There's no, there's no limit on Krishna. He simply does what he wants. But that's all auspicious for the world. To hear about Krishna with faith, Srinu Sukhadam Shubhadam Bhavasana. In this nasty material world, Simply hearing about Krishna is a very joyful and bestowing of all auspiciousness. So we should hear about Krishna, but we should hear about him, obviously, from devotees, not from demons. There's so many demons. Some of them try to kill Krishna. Many we find in Krishna Lila, so many of them they tried to kill him physically. They, each one they would think, now I will kill Krishna. And at the time, you, you see that uh, the devotees they were very afraid when this uh, Arishta Asura, Keshi Asura, they entered Vrindavan. Many of the gopis they had miscarriages due to fear. They didn't, they were afraid when Kaliya was grabbing Krishna, the Vrajvasis, they thought Krishna is going to die and they also almost died. Because due to Yoga Maya, they couldn't understand that Krishna will never die. Balaram, he, everyone was in, when Kaliya had grabbed Krishna, everyone was distraught except Balaram. Balaram was, yeah, okay, no problem. He was cool. Because he knew no one's going to kill Krishna. But everyone else, they, due to yoga maya, they thought, in one sense, like the demons. The demons thought, we can kill Krishna. And the Vrajavasis, they also thought, oh, Krishna is just a little boy. 
and these huge demons. And what chance is there for Krishna? They were so afraid. And the big demons came to see Krishna. And they, they, they thought, you know, it's just a little boy. There's no problem to kill him. Notwithstanding the fact that one demon after another was killed by Krishna, each one came thinking, well, uh, I'll show them how to do it. No. I, uh, I'm powerful. No one's going to conquer me. Little boy, what's he going to do? You can imagine the big demons coming up and they see a little boy and they think, ha, there's no problem for me. But there was a big problem for them and they got killed themselves. Kangsa also, even after sending so many uh, demons, powerful demons, who even Indra was afraid of, after sending so many demons to be killed by Krishna, but they, ins- they themselves got killed, even Kangsa, he was afraid of Krishna, but then also he would think, oh, what am I I'm so powerful. I've conquered so many kings. What is that? He, he subdued some little water snake called Kaliya. And people are making a big thing about it. And then my friends like Keshi and Arishta, they just, when they were a little inattentive, Krishna, he killed them. But it's just bad luck. <laughs> That's all. So the, the demons, they think they can kill Krishna because they think he's some ordinary man, or maybe he, from his previous life, he has some mystic power, and therefore he, uh, he's very powerful, or he's he's got some good luck due to punya from a previous life. He's but but I am a big demon. I'm very powerful. I've got more mystic power than anyone. That's the way the demons thought. And one after one, they were one after another, they were killed. But as far as the Devotees were concerned. It was a very fearful situation for them in, in each and every time. Of course, when Aghasura came, then the cowherd boys, by that time they thought, well, Krishna, he killed so many demons, so we needn't be worried about this demon. And so they all walked into Aghasura's mouth. They'd become so uh, uh, confident of Krishna's protection. And Krishna is looking at them and thinking, wow, that's amazing. How could anyone be so stupid as to... Well, it's specifically said, he saw the power of his maya. That who would walk into a massive demon's mouth? Krishna was surprised. So in this way, so many demons came to kill Krishna. And in in the modern age, the... uh, Demons, Krishna is not physically present, so they can't attack him physically, but they, they attack him philosophically, or not even philosophically, but they try to say that, oh Krishna, he's not a person, he doesn't have any form, he doesn't have any pastimes, it's, this is all just Maya. And we are above, we, the Mayavadis, we are above Maya. So Krishna was in Maya, and there's no, there's no actual form of Krishna, when Krishna says, surrender to me, it's not actually Krishna, but it's the unborn within Krishna. And in this way, they try to kill Krishna and kill any inclination that people may have of actual bhakti toward Krishna. So they're also uh, demons and they influence people. We find uh, in India, and that will come here, already coming here more and more, we find, sorry to say, even within ISKCON, gradually, 
Mayavadis are becoming popularized. Uh, or Mayavad or Sahaja ideas are creeping in. They won't come in through the front door. They'll come in very slow. Mayavad. No, no, not Mayavad. Bhakti. This is Bhakti. Disguised as Bhakti. Mayavad will come creeping. Tip, 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 tip. Of course, Krishna is not subject to Mayavad, but devotees, they can be influenced. One of the most uh, famous commentators on Bhagavad Gita, he was, uh, he was originally a Gorya Vaishnava. And then uh, he was studying in Navadip and he thought he would go to Varanasi and study Mayavad. Jiva Goswami, he also studied in Varanasi. But, and he studied all the, I don't know all of, but he studied the teachings of Shankaracharya for the sake of defeating him. But this Madhusudan Saraswati, he wasn't so successful in his attempt. So he, he wrote various books which, uh, sometimes he talks like a devotee. But ultimately his philosophy is Mayavad. And we find that in modern India, just like Gita Press. It's a good example of, they have nice, very beautiful pictures actually of Krishna and Rama. They speak the language of bhakti, but if you see their philosophy, if you speak with them or if you see what their philosophy is, ultimately they're Mayavadis. So we have to be very careful of this. Even all these this Ramanandi Sampradaya, which came out of, theoretically came out of the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. So they all have big tilakon and they're chanting Ram Nam, Sita Ram, 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 Sita uh, they'll say ultimately Ram has come from the unmanifest. They're all Mayavadis. So for all their supposed devotion. So it's, in India, it's, it's a funny mix of Bhakti and Mayavad. Shankaracharya, he also promoted, yes, Bhakti is very good for the common people. You do Bhakti and then gradually uh, you can come to the stage of understanding that Bhagawan, the Supreme Lord, and the Bhakta, they're all the same. So we find this rascal being propagated. This, uh, there's one famous uh, Mayavadi rascal. Mayavadi means rascal. But there are different categories of rascals. But uh, he's very famous because he preaches on Famous means for a small time. Then he'll go to hell and he'll be forgotten and someone else will come along. He's almost dead anyway. He's an old man. So uh, he gives lectures on TV. One morning I was staying just outside Krishna Balaram Temple in Vindavan, as most people do, because there's not much space to stay there. So I was staying in an ashram outside. And one morning I was coming to the temple and I heard some from inside a house what sounded like a lecture on TV because it's common in the morning that they have lectures of sadhus on TV 
Sometimes my lectures are also so. I looked in to see what it was, and it's this ashram rascal. It is so in Vrindavan, which is the land of Krishna, and they're watching this storyteller. He's very popular because he tells lots of stories and tells jokes, and then he gives Ayurveda and all this. Of course, he was uh, he has some murder case against him also. But anyway. Uh, he's popular. So anyway, uh, so I was told by one of my godbrothers, I, I didn't personally put myself through the uh, ghastly rasa of sitting through any of his lectures. But one of my godbrothers told me that in one of his lectures, this Asharam, had, he was speaking about um, Tukaram, the famous Vaishnav saint of Maharashtra, and this Asharam said that he completely made up, just something he made up, that the deity, Vital, Krishna, had said to uh, Tukaram that there's no need of you to come to the temple anymore. Don't, don't come and see me anymore. And Tukaram said, why? And Vital, the deity, said to him, well, because now yourself realize, so you and me are the same. So there's no need for you to come anymore. So this, you see many people in India, they'll do bhakti, but they have the idea that we're doing bhakti and eventually we'll become more advanced and then we'll become one with Krishna or Rama or like this. So so many wrong ideas are there. That's why we say here, from Prabhupada, hear from the devotees. Otherwise, you see people hear from their grandmothers, not nowadays. The grandmothers, they're just sitting watching TV like everyone else. On TV, you may see, in India at least, some pro series about Krishna, but they're all mixed up with wrong ideas. Or they have cartoon books, Amarachitra Katha, with stories of Krishna, but we won't get a clear idea. Definitely some Mayavad will be there because it's it's everywhere. It's a serious disease affecting all those who don't hear from the proper devotees. So we don't want to hear from all these uh, non-devotees or even people. They have a good sentiment for Krishna in one sense. Uh, there have been good Vaishnava preachers in the world. There still are. But unless people are properly trained in understanding the Siddhanta, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, then sentiment alone will not be enough. They have to understand actually who is Krishna. That's the topic of this series of lectures. Who is Krishna? Not the Mayavadi's Krishna. As Bhaktisiddhanta Sasratakur said several times, we worship Rupa Goswami's Krishna, not the Mayavadi's Krishna, not the uh, demons, not the. We know Krishna as Rupa Goswami has taught us. Anyabhilashita shunya, yanakamadhyanavritam anukulena krishna anushilanam bhakti rutana. This is Krishna, how we shall worship Krishna. As Rupa Goswami has 
taught us. Uh, I'm going to take a break here. You want to sing Hare Krishna for a few minutes? Hare Krishna. So, yeah, we should hear about Krishna as he is. Krishna presents himself as he is. In Bhagavad Gita, Srila Prabhupada presented Krishna. Um, mostly he presented in Srila Prabhupada's lectures, his books, his conversation, all his preachings. He presented Krishna mostly as Krishna is understood from Bhagavad Gita. So in Bhagavad Gita we find Krishna presents himself as he is, as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mataf Parataram Nanyat Kinchid Asti Dhananjaya There is no truth superior to me, Krishna says. What else in Bhagavad Gita does Krishna say about himself? How does he establish himself as Supreme? Aham Sarvasya Prabhavo Krishna says, I am the source of everything. And again he says it in another way, everything comes from me. So Krishna establishes himself as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Srila Prabhupada also often said that people, they, they say to us that uh, you show me God. But Prabhupada said that you try to see God as he presents himself. We're not ready. We don't have the qualification to see God directly now, but we can see him as he presents himself in Bhagavad Gita. And Srila Prabhupada gave this example. Rasoham apsukantaya. I am the taste in water, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. So Srila Prabhupada said that everyone drinks water every day. So that taste, we can appreciate. Hare Krishna. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> that taste is Krishna. We Every day we see the light of the sun and the moon. That light is Krishna. So who is Krishna? The summary uh, is given very nicely. Ishvara Parama Krishna Satyadananda Vigraha Anadir Adir Govinda Sarva Karana Karanam. The supreme controller is Krishna. His form is eternal, blissful, full of knowledge. He's not impersonal. <clears throat> he is, uh, he has no beginning. He was, he is the beginning of everything. He is known as Govinda, the giver of pleasure to the land, the cows and the senses. And he is the cause of all causes. So this is Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. It's a very important term, which Krishna himself says in Bhagavad Gita, Paramam Purusham Divyam, the supreme Personality, person, male, purusham, 
paramam purusham divyam. Not any ordinary person. He's the divine person, supreme personality of God. Paramam purusham divyam yati partanu chintayan. He is to be thought of. So, uh, Krishna describes himself in Bhagavad Gita. Of course, there are other descriptions of him in Srimad Bhagavatam and even more intimate scriptures. But first, we should understand Krishna as he presents himself in Bhagavad Gita. Otherwise, if we try prematurely to understand Krishna as the Nagara, as the enjoyer of the uh, young girls, then definitely we'll misunderstand Krishna. Very gradually we should approach these topics. We should understand Krishna through Bhagavad Gita, understand Bhagavad Gita through the devotees, uh, apart from the Mayavadis, there are also devotees, and we should understand Krishna through the devotees. There are many great devotees uh, in different sampradayas. The most influential, uh, uh, their names are still famous in India, at least in some parts of India, and their, their contributions are still there for all to see, especially Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, Vallabhacharya, these were the uh, spiritual leaders, there are many famous devotees, but they were spiritual leaders in as much as they, uh, yeah, there are many famous devotees, like Mira and Surdas, they're famous for their songs, and uh, but the Ramanuja and Madhva especially, and also Nimbarka and Vallab, they they gave a philosophical system by which to understand Krishna. So they're considered more important, actually. Their contribution is a, is an all-around substantial contribution. They've given a system of philosophical understanding. And all of them, as acharyas, they gave philosophical understanding. Uh, they also, they all wrote poems and songs in glorification of Krishna. Uh, they established temples, they made disciples, they wrote many books. These are the, uh, they wrote many books glorifying Krishna. These are the uh, symptoms of the great acharyas. So they all have some differences between them. Uh, even Madhva in one place calls Ramanuja a demon. Madhva is very extreme. Uh, but, but, we see that they're all devotees. Philosophical differences are there uh, even in uh, their bhav or their approach to Krishna in loving relationship. It's, it's all somewhat different. But the essence is the same. That we should accept Vishnu is supreme. Uh, Ramanuja and Madhva, they accept actually that Krishna is an avatar of Vishnu. But we don't argue with them about this. Is it? Often that point is brought up in preaching in India. But I always say, we don't bother arguing. They're devotees, great. We don't, 
If they see Vishnu as the origin of Krishna, well, even that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, while discussing the point that Krishna is the origin of Vishnu, Krishna's Kaviraj says, yeah, in one sense it's also true. From one perspective it's also true that Vishnu is the origin of Krishna. From, from this perspective, from our worldly perspective, Krishna appears as if an avatar of Shira Dakshai Vishnu. Maybe in the deity room, could kindly try to make a little less noise there. <clears throat> Not just for the class, but you know, the deities also don't like these kind of sounds. So, uh, what was I saying? They have, the, they have different uh, philosophical outlooks. And uh, they may say Vishnu is the origin of Krishna. We don't argue with them about that. At least I don't. Know. There's no point to argue. If they're worshipping Vishnu, very good, very nice. That should be encouraged. But again, it's due to lack of proper philosophical training, we'll find that many of them are confused. So we'll find that in traditional... Sri Vaishnava families in which for generations they've been worshipping Ramanuja, they've been worshipping Balaji or Ranganatha Swami, the famous deities. Now they're worshipping Sai Baba or some other bogus avatar. So this just goes to show if we don't teach the proper understanding of Krishna consciousness, then very quickly all wrong ideas can come and absolutely, completely pollute everything. It's very sad to see that people who their generations of their forefathers were staunch worshippers of Vishnu and now they're worshipping some bogus avatar. So if that can happen to them and they're coming from such a good background then we should know it can happen to us because we come from a much worse background unless we stick very clearly and rigidly to understanding Krishna as he is and being very serious about worshipping him. Otherwise, all kinds of rubbish will come in. So, while, in, while listing all these wrong ideas about Krishna, I'm just giving some idea of how wrong people can be. But don't think that it can't happen to us. If we don't, if we're not serious about Krishna consciousness, that means that we're serious about Maya, or we we give some room to Maya, then we disagree with Krishna. When Krishna says Ma may come Shayanam Raja, we think no, no. Krishna, says, you want me to surrender to you fully? No, I'm not going to. Or we may not be so openly defiant. We may say yes, yes, I'm fully surrendered to Krishna. And you see, here's here's my girlfriend. That's also Krishna, and. Uh, in my, my career, that's also Krishna, and everything's Krishna, so yeah, I'm surrendered to Krishna. You find people that is with Mayavad, they're expert at twisting things to make themselves appear as if they are very pious, but actually they're avoiding Krishna. So, we should understand Krishna through the devotees, and try to understand what they say, just like 
we will find in the Vallabh Sampradaya temples, even now the worship is going on and they, in, to some degree, and in some places they sing the different songs, nice songs for the pleasure of Krishna that they're supposed to sing at different times of the day. But there's no teaching of the, of the philosophy that Vallabh taught. And so it's, it's bhakti, but it's only like the, the, the feelings, it's only the feelings part. But the teachings by which we become fixed in understanding who is Krishna and how we have to surrender to Krishna, what it means to surrender to Krishna, that's not taught anymore. And therefore there are so many misunderstandings and people don't surrender to Krishna. And they don't, even though they sing songs of bhakti and it all seems very nice, but they don't get the real thing. So we should hear from devotees what they have to say, not make our selection. Of course, everyone has to make a selection. We may prefer to hear the nice things. We like to hear the nice things about Krishna, but we don't like to hear all this philosophy and understanding. That's very dangerous. Then we're already we're already we're in Maya just by thinking like that. And Maya will come in so many ways. So, yeah, we should hear Bhagavad Gita as it is from the Acharyas. They're all sent by Krishna. Ramanuja, Madhva, Vallab. In Vallab Sampradaya, they mostly worship uh, Balgopal, this, this baby Krishna. So that mood is there. It's more in the Vatsalya Ras. Whereas in our Gorya Sampradaya, it's the... Here we're just trying to get rid of the Jara Ras or the Maya Rasa. But in the uh, advanced stages, the actual goal is the uh, in our Sampradaya, it's concentrated on the uh, Dealing specifically between Krishna and the gopis and also between Krishna and his cowherd boyfriends in Vrindavan. So, but in, in Vallabh Sampradaya, also Vrindavan, but more concentrated on the Vatsalya Rasa. And they also know that Krishna is with the gopis. So they all describe Krishna in different ways. Uh, Vallabh, in the Vallabh Sampradaya, it's called the Pushti Mark. And Rupa Goswami, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he says the Raga Mark, which he describes, or that of spontaneous devotion to Krishna, he's, he said that that is, uh, it's non-different, or more or less the same as the Pushti Mark. So there's a lot in common. All right, so... Vallabh, if we ask him about Krishna, what will he say? Who is Krishna? He will say, Krishna is very sweet. So we can sing that now, this famous song of Vallabhacharya, describing the sweetness of Krishna. This is the ultimate goal, to be appreciating the sweetness of Krishna. Yeah, I'll take one time. Please pass out these sheets. You also... So I'll read out the translation and then we can sing the song. And I may stop shortly after that because... 
Everyone's having a hard time to stay awake. His lips are sweet. Whose lips are sweet? Krishna's, right, that's right. His face is sweet. Whose face? Krishna. Actually, we don't find the word Krishna in this song at all. But it's understood that it's referring to Krishna. His name is given Madhuradhipati, which is translated here as the Emperor of Sweetness. So that's the name given for Krishna here. His lips are sweet. His face is sweet. His eyes are sweet. His smile is sweet. His heart is sweet. His gait is sweet. Gait here means his method of walking. Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. His words are sweet. His character is sweet. Charitam, yeah, personality, his pastimes. His dress is sweet. His belly folds are sweet. You know what that means, his belly folds? You've seen Krishna, especially baby Krishna. Little fatty. So in his belly there's some folds like this. So it's also sweet. His movements are sweet. His wandering is sweet. Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. His flute is sweet. His foot dust is sweet. His hands are sweet. His feet are sweet. His dancing is what? Any guesses? Anyone like to take a guess? His dancing is sweet. His friendship is sweet. Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. His swing, his singing is sweet. Gitam Madhura. That can also be taken that his Bhagavad Gita is sweet. His yellow cloth is sweet. His yellowness. Pitam Madhura. His eating is sweet. That could also mean his drinking is sweet. His eating is sweet. His sleeping is sweet. His beauty is sweet. His tilak is sweet. Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. His deeds or his activities are sweet. His liberating is sweet. His stealing is sweet. His love spots are sweet. His oblations are sweet. His tranquility is sweet. Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. <clears throat> his gopis are sweet? No, his gunja madhura. How did that become his gopis? His uh, gunja means, yeah, berry necklace. Is good. Gunja means this red berries. Krishna likes to wear. His garland is sweet. What's going on? Is the wrong? Ah, it's the wrong. Yeah. It's mixed up the translations here. His gunja berry necklace is sweet. His flower garland is sweet. His yamuna is sweet. The ripples of the yamuna are sweet. His water is sweet. His lotuses are sweet. Shishtam is not translated here. Hrishtam. Oh, what's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed. Yeah. His lotuses are sweet. 
Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. Yeah, and then again. His gopis are sweet. His pastimes is sweet. His union is sweet. Yuktam maduram. Yukti can, can also mean his plans. Uh, his food is sweet. He likes sweet food. Not only sweets, but in the Vallabh Sampadaya you'll find they offer lots of sweets. In Gujarat the food is sweet. Is the Vallabh Sampadaya is mostly in Gujarat. So you get there's sugar in the chapatis, in the dal, even karela. Do you know this bitter sabji? They cook that sweet also. Everything's sweet. His food is sweet. His delight is sweet. His courtesy is sweet. Shishta. Yeah, shishta means proper behavior. Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. His cowherd boyfriends, they're also sweet. His cows are sweet. His staff is sweet. This means his stick, not his... Staff can mean the uh, workers also. His creation is sweet. Yep, it's also sweet. If we see Krishna, then Vishvam Purana Sukhayate, the whole world becomes full of bliss. If we don't see Krishna, then it's Vishvam Purana Dukhayate, full of nastiness. His trampling is sweet. Dalitam. You know that word, Dalita? Dalita Hiranyakashipu. So he, he crushes Hiranyakashipu. That's also sweet when he crushes the demons. Palitam Madhuram. His fruitfulness is sweet. Everything is sweet about the emperor of sweetness. All glories to the emperor of sweetness who has sweetly appeared. Where did Krishna appear? Where did Krishna appear? Where, where, where? Mathura. Hmm. Okay. That's what they say, right? Any other opinions about that? He appeared in Goku. Depends which side of the river you're on. Those who are Vrindavan, they say he appeared in Gokul. There's two Gokuls. Which Gokul? Two Gokuls means Vallabhacharya is his Gokul. If you get in an auto rickshaw in Vrindavan and say go to Gokul, they'll take you there to Vallabhacharya. That's the famous. Of course, if they see us, they know we go to but uh, generally they, they think that he has his place which they call Goku and the Goryas they go to another place. You know in Vrindavan there's two everything. Two or three. <laughs> Have everything. So yeah, Krishna appeared in Goku. Krishna is the son of who? Deviki Nandan or Yashoda Nandan? Depends which side of the river you're on. So generally it's understood that Krishna appeared in Mathura. Yeah, he appeared in Mathura. Yashodananda and Krishna, he was born from Yashoda, not from Devaki. 
So these are some controversial points. At, at least among ourselves, it shouldn't be controversial. But generally it's said, Krishna appeared in Mathura. Of course, Vrindavan's also in the area of Mathura. So it's not incorrect to say that. But the bridge buses, they know Krishna as Yashoda Nanda. But another name of Yashoda is also Devaki. So if you say he's Devaki Nanda, there's, there's no fault in that. And anyway, there's no fault in that. It just depends who you ask. If you ask a Mathura Basi, who is Krishna, he'll say Devaki Nanda. If you ask a Vrajabasi, he'll say Yashoda Nanda. So who is Krishna? If you say he's Devaki Nanda, it's true. It's one of the names of Krishna. It's definitely true. Devaki Nanda. But there may be, if you say Yashoda Nanda, also true. So there may be some difference of opinion. Who's right? Both are right. Is that logical? No. Good. Thank you. So, uh, that's one reason the demons, they are against Krishna. And they're against Vaishnavas. They think, you see, we're very philosophical. We've understood. Everything is all one. How can Krishna be God? He has a form. He's a person. That means limited. Limited, right? Just like I am a person. I'm in this particular stinking bag of bones at the present time. And this particular stinking bag of bones is sitting in this particular space. You can map it. If you take a map of Ljubljana, you can say that it's this plot, this particular plot of land on this particular seat at a particular elevation. So my body is here, it's not there. It's only in this place. It's not in any other place. So it's limited. I am now in Ljubljana. I'm not in Zagreb. I can't be in both places at once. A person means limited. Krishna is a person, therefore he must be limited. This is simple logic, right? Simple logic. Krishna is a person. Persons are limited. Every person is limited. For instance, in this way, in so many ways, but here's one example of how each person is limited. They can only be in one place at a time. Of course, yogis, they can expand themselves. Generally up to nine forms. Sometimes we hear about, there was some yogi. He became eventually, uh, let me see, which demon? Uh, Trinavarta. So he was a king who has expanded himself into a hundred forms. So, a uh, hundred forms. With still a hundred forms, you can't be all pervading. And the supreme absolute should be all pervading. So, Krishna is a person, he can't be all-pervading, he's limited. This is logic. Well, Krishna doesn't fit your logic. He's andanta rasta paramanu chayanta rastam. Mayatatam idam sarvam jagadavyakta murtina. Krishna, standing on the chariot at Kurukshetra, says, the person speaking to Arjuna, says, by me this whole universe is pervaded. 
the whole universe is my unmanifested form. The Mayavadis, they got it round the wrong way. It seems to be right, what they say. If you take it logically, the, the ultimate should be uh, without any specific characteristics. Because if any specific characteristics means it's limited. Seems to be a good philosophy, right? Philosophically, it should be correct. It seems, according to our limited intelligence. But... Uh, well, there are other philosophical problems with, with that. Krishna is the supreme controller. We are controlled. Why is there anything? Because Krishna wants eko bahusyam. He expanded himself into many. So, uh, Krishna defies mundane logic. He cannot be approached by logic. And that's why we should hear about him from devotees. Because it might seem very logical that the Supreme is not a person, according to our uh, defective way of thinking. So, yes, we should hear about Krishna from devotees, from real devotees, not bogus people. So I said the name of some other devotees, Surdas and... Mira, Tukaram, Kanakdas, Purandardas, these are f- famous uh, devotees, singers. They, they inspired common people, not very philosophical people. All the names of the devotees I mentioned, they, they all composed songs in the vernacular languages. That means languages like Hindi, Rajasthani, Bridgebasha, Kannada, Local languages, so the people could have easy access to that, because the philosophical works and even the poetry glorifying Krishna is traditionally in Sanskrit. So they made in the local languages, so people could have easy access to that. And within their songs, they also gave the generally the right understanding, of course. We sometimes have a difference with some of the things that Mira said. <coughs> but generally, uh, the right understanding, but not in, a, not in a very elaborate form. So without that elaborate teaching, people tend, they tend to uh, be attracted to Krishna. Pious people will be attracted to Krishna. But without the elaborate teaching, then the tendency is there to degrade. And, and most people, they can't distinguish between those who are proper devotees and who are not. Just like in the Hindi-speaking area, Surdas is very famous. Mira is very famous. Kabir is also famous. And he seems to be like a devotee, but he has some very strange ideas also. He's against deity worship, for instance. Uh, in <coughs> Assam, they are followers of, of uh, the, the local culture is one of worship of Rukmini and Krishna. But the Shankara Dev, who was the big preacher in that area, is ultimately impersonal also. Strongly impersonalistic. So, 
we should get the right idea. If we don't get the right idea, then we get the wrong idea. That's logical. <laughs> it may be the right idea, but mixed with the wrong idea. So that we find everywhere. Just like in India, you feel... But mostly people, they worship demigods. And they worship Krishna also. Yeah. All the same. Whatever you want. One day is for worshipping Krishna. And one day is for worshipping Durga. One day is for worshipping Ganesh. And every day is for watching television. (laughs) Like this. One day became, it's supposed to be one day of the week. But now it became one day a year. For many people, Jan Mashtami, like this, or whenever they happen to go to a temple. So, mixed ideas, but still, devotion to Krishna is there. The subject is who is Krishna? If we ask different people, we'll get different answers. So, if we ask in Orissa people, who is Krishna? What will they say? Jagannath. If you're driving on a bus, if you're going on a bus from from Bengal to Orissa, you know when you've crossed the border because everywhere there's pictures of Jagannath. It's just immediately. In South Orissa, that's more Nushimha worship. But uh, Jagannath culture is very strong throughout Orissa. Then if we go to Gujarat, then Dalab Sampradaya is there, Balgopal, baby Krishna. And also very uh, popular and well-known is Ranchari. Outside of Gujarat, they don't know him much, but it's one famous Krishna temple in Gujarat of actually Dwarakadish. The deity Dwarakadish ran away from Dwarka. Not exactly ran away, he was kidnapped by one of his devotees who took him to Dhaka. And that's a holy place in Gujarat. And many people go there. And in Gujarat they know him, they know Krishna as Ranchorai. Ranchar, this popular name of Krishna there. And Dwarakadish. So in different parts of India we'll get different uh, names. Of very popular Srinathji, the, the, the Valab Sampradaya, Srinathji, they worship Srinath. Did I see? Where was that? Somewhere I saw a picture of Srinathji. You'll find in Gujarat. If someone, if you phone someone in their Valab Sampradaya, when they, they won't say hello, they'll say Jai Sri Krishna. When they speak in the phone, that's their form of greeting. Jai Sri Krishna. So that's good. Isn't it? It's nice. It's like we say among ourselves, Hare Krishna. We should say, Hare Krishna. So they say, Jai Sri Krishna. Then different forms in Chennai. Who's the form of Krishna in Chennai? Anyone? Anyone went to Chennai? No one? No one here went to South India? No one. Hmm? Parthasarati is a big temple of Parthasarati. Krishna as the charioteer of Arjuna. And uh, close to 
Chennai is Tirupati, Balaji. And then a little bit south, there is south, yeah. Tirupati is northwest and southwest is Sri Rangam, Ranganatha Swami. So these Tirupati and Ranganath, they're the most famous temples in the Sri Vaishnav Sampadaya. So they worship it. There's so many temples, 108 Divya Deshams, and mostly in, I think, 80 something like that are in Tamil Nadu. Holy places established by the Alavas, the great devotees, of, and Ramanuja worship there also. So, ancient holy places going back. Sri Rangam, how old is that? How long has Ranganath Swami been in Sri Rangam? Anyone? Since the time of, yeah, just after Rama, Vibhishana. Vibhishana took, he, he was sent back by Ram. You can't, don't stay with me forever. This is my kingdom. You have to look after your kingdom in Lanka. He said, well, I can't leave you. And said, Ram said, I'll go with you. You take the deity who's actually, was given by Ram to this, uh, Vivasvan and he gave it to, to Ikshvaku. And then he gave it to, uh, yeah, he's in the dynasty. The, then, uh, oh, I'm getting mixed up now. Anyway, at one point, Hanuman was worshipping. And then anyway, Vibhishana took the deity. And then uh, they just, they saw a very nice place, an island in the middle of the Kaveri River on the way to Lanka. They thought, we'll just stop and rest here. And then when they're ready to go again, Vibhishna is ready to go again, Ranganatha Swami said, I like this place. I'm going to stay here. So he stayed there. So like that, there's so many, so many temples. Uh, Madhvacharya established his Krishna temple. Krishna came to him. He didn't bring the deity. The deity of Krishna in Udupi. It's not that Madhvacharya thought, now I'm going to make a temple. Krishna came to him unexpectedly. The same Krishna who was worshipped by uh, Devaki in uh, by Rukmini in Devaki in Dwarka later came to Madhvacharya and still worshipped there. And now by Srila Prabhupada's grace, uh, there are so many temples. So that in Bombay, if, if you ask people, who is Krishna? They know the Rasa Bihari. It's become very, it's by far the most famous Krishna temple in the whole area. So like that. There are so many temples of Krishna in his various forms. Rama, Nrishimha, many Ram, many, many Rama temples, many temples of Krishna as Vishnu, temples as Nrishimha, there are many Nrishimha temples throughout India, but especially in uh, Andhra Pradesh, some in Tamil Nadu, and then there are few, few temples, not so many of other avatars, of Varaha, Kurama, Vamana, these different forms. Kishava Dhritta Dasha Vidharupa. 
the ten famous forms of Krishna. And so Krishna conscious culture is there. People are forgetting Krishna. But still, they can't fully forget him. It's not possible for them. The, the culture is so strong and so deep and so old that people cannot forget Krishna. Even when they give all these wrong ideas about Krishna, still they're remembering Krishna. The subject of Krishna is there. Even if people say, Krishna is a liar, Krishna is a cheat, he's a thief, he's a, he's a lumpart, a playboy, still they're thinking about Krishna. Maybe not a very favorable way, but still somehow or other, they can't forget Krishna. So our job in India is to tell people who is Krishna, actually, according to what the Acharyas tell us. That's why it's significant that Prabhupada appeared the day after Krishna. Krishna comes and then the devotee comes to tell us who is Krishna. Otherwise, Krishna comes and we forget. But Prabhupada went all over the world and shouted, telling everyone, and preaching very strongly, and telling everyone, who is Krishna? So we have to understand Krishna through the Acharyas, through Shastra, not simply sentimentally, Guru Sadhu Shastra. So the source of all this knowledge of Krishna in Guru, Sadhu, Shastra is Vyasadeva. He gave all the Shastras. He's the original Acharya. All the Acharyas worship him. The uh, appearance of the spiritual master that's called Vyasapurja. There's a day actually for worshipping Vyasadeva who has manifested in the form to... Vyasadeva is teaching about Krishna by giving all the scriptures. Uh, he taught about Krishna. Vedaisya sarvera hameva vedyaha. Krishna says, I am to be known through the Vedas. I am the subject of knowledge in the Vedas. Who is Krishna? We should know from the Vedas. And Vyasadeva, he has given the Vedas. He's, he divided the Veda and gave the Vedas. And he has his own compositions, Vedanta Sutra and Mahabharat, which they also point to Krishna. And at the end, his last contribution is Srimad Bhagavatam, which is also in one sense you can say his contribution. It's not exactly like the Vedas, which are not even one syllable changes. But Srimad Bhagavatam, that may appear in different forms, somewhat different forms in different times and places. So we have Bhagavatam as Vyasa gave it. So if we are to understand Krishna, we should understand from Bhagavad Gita, which is given by Vyasa, but uh, even more so from Srimad Bhagavatam. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna establishes he's the supreme, but in more detail. Uh, with with more many more nuances, uh, Krishna is presented by Vyas in Srimad Bhagavatam. So, if we want to know who is God, if people want to know who is God, they 
may have been confused, but if they consult Srimad Bhagavatam and understand that from a devotee by the mercy of Vyas, then we can understand who is God. This first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam gives more definitive theistic knowledge than everything in the non-Vedic traditions. There's Christianity, they talk of God, and Allah in Islam, but we have in one verse what Vyasa has given. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudeva, from the very beginning gives his name. Om, he's the uh, spiritual principle. Namaha, to be offered obeisances to Bhagavate, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vasudeva, specifically, this person, not some unimagined or no name. He is this person, Vasudeva, and he is Janmadhyasyayata, Anvayad Itaratas Chatesh Vapignaswarat, Tene Brahmahridaya Adi Kavye Muhyantiyat Suryaha. Tejo vari mridang yatha vinimeo yatra trisargo mrsha dham na svena sada nirastaku hakang satyang parang dhimahi. We should go to all these interfaith conferences. It's become very popular. Devotees go to interfaith conferences and say, Here is God. Janmadhyaya say yatha. Give them the first verse of Bhagavatam. Now, what have you got to say? What will you say? What's your conception of God? Here's the first. We have 18,000 verses. This is the first of them. And what have you got to say now? What will you, what have you got to tell us about God? Generally they can say that omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. And that's it. That's all they have to say about it. They don't really know much about it. But in the first verse of Bhagavatam, that this Janmadhyaya Sayataha, this, this, uh, he is the source of all emanations, which means that the, the, the material world is manifest by him, maintained by him, ultimately destroyed by him. Uh, there's a whole world of Vedic study, right, in those Janmadhyaya Sayataha. The, the, the whole understanding of the material world. Everything comes from Krishna. Everything is maintained by Krishna. Everything enters into Krishna. Uh, he is uh, directly and indirectly conscious of everything eternally. He's all powerful. He's independent. He was he the, the the knowledge of the Veda. He imparted that to Brahma at the time of creation. Tene Brahma but then when I say, well, why doesn't everyone understand about Krishna? Because even the great demigods, who are much more intelligent than us, they're also bewildered about him. Or just as uh, in a mirage, we mistake one thing to be another. So we mistake Krishna to be insignificant, and we take that which is insignificant to be significant. Uh, He is, uh, yeah, Trisarga means in three phases of time, uh, three creations, uh, Krishna is 
uh, behind all that. But he is not of the uh, nature of this material world. He is satya. He is not uh, mrisha. He's not some false apparition. Krishna is reality. He eternally exists in his own abode, in which there is no question of any uh, illusionism of this material world. He is the supreme, ultimate reality who we should meditate upon. So this is in brief. So Vyasadeva has presented. Vyasadeva in one verse gives more actual knowledge of God then we'll find, actually even in the Vedas, Vedeshu Durlabham, it's difficult to find Krishna in the Vedas. All the Vedas are meant for knowing Krishna, but it's difficult to find Krishna in the Vedas. Therefore, it's better that we study Sarvavedetihasanam Saram Saram Hudahritam, that which is uh, taken from, the essence, the essence of all the Vedas and all the Ramayana, Mahabharata, everything, the essence of that is taken. And then again, the essence of that, the essence of the essence, that is Srimad Bhagavatam, given by Vyas. But then sometimes it said, Vyasa Veti Navetiva, and that's maybe Vyasa himself. Even it's such a great topic, Vyasa is expressing, but what is, what are the full implications? Even, even maybe Vyasa, he, he, there's some doubt is there. That he knows Krishna is Janmadya Sayataha, the source of all emanations. But does he know him as Shuka knows? Hmm? Shukadev, he knows for sure. So, Vyasadev, has given us Bhagavatam, which has been given by Shukadev, touched by the lip. Shukamukha Adamrita Drava Sangitam has become even more nectarian by the grace of Shukadev. So, uh, yeah, we should understand what the Vedas say. What the Vedas say is, what do the Vedas say about Krishna? They say many things, many things in the Vedas. Trigunya Vishaya Veda. The Vedas, they mostly deal with the modes of nature. By all the Vedas, Krishna is to be known, but taken uh, extrinsically or exoterically, then it appears that the Vedas are concerned with mundane matters. So to understand what the Vedas say about Krishna, it's better to turn to the Srimad Bhagavatam and see what they say. We can read the prayers of the personified Vedas, in which the various Vedas, they glorify Krishna. They come to the point of glory. That's the ultimate purpose of the Vedas. All right, I'll finish there, because it looks like it's hard going for many of us. In the afternoon, devotees, they get a little more lively. I think we can go for... I'm supposed to go high now at 10 o'clock, was it? So we can go. Any questions about this? I'm just going through very quickly. If we, if we say, who is Krishna? It's a big topic, isn't it? 
if we ask Ananta, we'll never get an end to the, the Ananta Dev. He's always glorifying Krishna. He has unlimited mouths and he never says the same thing twice. And he never, he never runs out of inspiration. He's always got more and more and more and more to say about Krishna. So it could become a very long lecture if we ask Ananta to give the lecture. He's, he's already giving the lecture. He's always glorifying, non-stop, Krishna. There's no end. Any question, comment, or protest about what's been said so far? All right, then Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna.